0: hi everyone welcome to the curious competitor podcast our guest today uh former uh, toronto maple leaf teammate of mine it doesn't really matter hey frankie you can play anywhere else uh, but you're always a, a former toronto maple leaf uh, our guest today Thanks. is Randy corrado um you know fellow right-hand defenseman uh fellow ohl alumni i uh had a lot of respect when i first ran into frankie's game you know as a sudbury wolf um I believe you were a part of. You got moved at that deadline, right? Uh, To Kitchener, when we went to the Western Conference Finals and lost to London. You guys were another heavyweight team. You had yourself, Radic Fox. uh, I think John Gibson was in net. Yeah,
1: we had uh, Murphy, Ryan Murphy, uh, Josh Levo, Matt Pumple. Um, We had a good team. We had a good team, but we ran into those London Knights. Looking back at that roster now, that was a that was a heavyweight team. They had Horvat, Domi, Griffith, Harrington. Um Stolars and Nets,
0: Zadorov, Chris Tierney, yeah. Josh Anderson. yeah
1: Yeah, you go down their lineup, uh, it's like they that they got NHL players that were playing on their third and fourth line. So it just shows
2: goes I to show you how deep that team was.
0: The the OHL was and we can maybe start there. You know, I, I think uh I wonder if our development was the same, right? Because we were kind of you know the the new age defenseman right two-way guys puck movers uh good offensively i I really liked your game and and remember you well uh from playing against you in sudbury and i thought you were even better with Kitchener just because they had more talent to work with and that team was you know really high end but like the ohl to me i don't know what your relationship with it but as an american kid it was like taboo it was like the yeah, it, it was something it was something like every player wanted to look at, but no one, you know, really wanted to have the guts to go. Um, you know, a couple of us did from that U.S. development team eventually made the jump and it was. Really catapulted my career, I, you know, played the U.S. development team, didn't love it. I've talked about that on this podcast, like, you know, just the style of play, um, you know, the depth that we had on defense, uh, just frankly, the way they treated. You know, certain players I, I wasn't in. You know, good favor there, and then the OHL just with the the amount of games you played, the quality of competition, like we just talked about. Um, you know, put me on the map. What was, you know, your youth experience growing up in the you know Greater Toronto area, and eventually you know making the decision to go to the OHL.
1: I don't know. Yeah, I've probably told this a few times and I don't know if we've ever talked about it on the bus or the plane or anything like that. But like my youth hockey experience was a little different. I got cut a couple, a couple times on the way up and wasn't, I was big and then everyone else grew and I was small. And then one summer I hit this spurt, got in the gym a little bit, went back on the ice. I was like, oh, wow, I'm actually fast this year. Look at that. Like I can, I can carry the puck this year. No one seems to be taking it off me. This is kind of nice. And that was leading up to the the draft year. And so things started going pretty good in my minor midget season. And, you know, the way it goes, things start to pick up. Agents call the house and all of a sudden the OHL teams are calling, see if he had any interest. And one of the teams that liked to call the house to, to see how it was doing was Sudbury. And I remember telling my agent, he's like, listen to me, tell Sudbury you're not reporting. You're not going up to Sudbury. <laughs> and i was like why he goes just you're not going okay no problem so i told sudbury a couple times so oh, it's great thanks for calling like but not coming okay <laughs> so and then i think at one point they even scheduled uh meetings like in-person meetings for players down by the airport in toronto i get a call one day hey frank you missed your meeting uh where are you like oh i told you i'm not coming to sudbury i don't know what to tell you right <laughs>
0: yeah, be it. so i already you no we're not going to dance, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So anyways, I, I eventually kind of land in this this like area of the draft where I'm probably going to go be anywhere between 15 and 25. And uh, so 15 comes up, and it's Mississauga, and they take Stuart Percy, who I'm a huge fan of his game. I thought he was awesome. I don't know about what I you remember about him. Is, I remember him well. So much, so much poise with the puck. Like I think the knock was the like the skating, but I I played with Stu on a number of occasions. I'm like this guy skates more than fine, and his poise with the puck. And the one thing about Stu, he always would hit the middle on the breakout. Like yeah. he'd just look guys off and hit the middle all the time. Like that's such an underrated skill. Um, and then so the other defenseman that were in that that kind of uh, area was Cody Cece, who's obviously in the NHL playing doing well. Scotty Harrington, who's become a buddy of mine, he ended up going to London and he, Scotty pulled the old, I'm going to go NCAA, you know, and then London's going to pick him at 19 and convince him to go, which, hey, I I have no problem with, you got to do what you got to do. But then uh that leads that le- kinda left me out of the mix there. And so then twenty-five came around and Sudbury comes up on the mic and we're watching we're kind of in my living room. And we're like, well, there's no way they're gonna pick me because they picked a defenseman in the first round already, anyways. So, anyways, they come on the mic, they're like, Oh yeah, we select from the Vaughn Kings, Frankie Corrado. And we're sitting there, we're like happy, it's great, but like we're like, what is going on here? We told them we're not I'm not going. So it actually worked in our favor because We kind of said, like, I don't know about you growing up. Was, like, education a big thing for you? Like, did you have to have good marks?
0: It was huge. It was, uh, you know, my mom was the driver of that at home. And and I was a good student anyway. Like, I really enjoyed it. It it generally, you know, came pretty easy to me, minus the the hockey stress. I was like you, right, playing every Friday, you know, tired, you know, uh, slugging ass on Monday just from, you know, playing five games in two and a half days.
1: Yeah. We, did, we had, we had games like our minor midget games were nine o'clock at night, you know? Yeah. So it was, it was, it was a bit of a struggle at times, but like education was always like, you know, got to get good marks in my house. And so, um, we kind of took that opportunity to say like, Hey, we're just going to talk to some schools now and, and see what's cooking there. And, um, unless you really want to come with a really good education package, right? Cause all of a sudden we had some leverage there. So had some trips lined up to go see some schools and, uh, sure enough, sudbury kind of checked all the boxes as far as the education package and so we were happy with that we felt pretty comfortable and then the other thing too when you're in ontario it's like do you want to i don't want to say waste two years but do you want to play two years of provincial junior a when you could have been playing in the ohl against the best players right so that was my decision to go to sudbury and Honestly, I loved it. I had a great three and a half years there, met a lot of great people, still have some friends that live in town. I think the support system there from ownership down through the management and coaches was really good. And um, so I was, I'm happy I ended up making that decision. Great jersey, great jersey. jersey. And that's, that's something we've talked about in the past. I know is the OHL jerseys and the logos, how good of a job. Do they do with
0: those? Uh, i mean across the board I, I uh one of my favorite photos of my hockey career ever is still me in the dark plymouth whaler jersey a lot of knights had great jerseys owen sound had great jerseys i love windsor's jerseys you know the Kitchener rangers is a classic um yeah. i mean go up and down barry's got a great jersey who else what was the one i mean
1: like they're all good in the ohl the ottawa's i like ottawa's with the barber pole Yep, i think I that ottawa's.
0: i like uh even Sault st marie's like, Kind of yeah. old school, you know, like the town. I, I, but I thought the OHL as a whole, just in terms of the way they marketed, and similar. Like I, I was originally drafted to Guelph. And oh I, yeah, I, I actually cool. didn't know that. I sick. I had no idea. So I had no idea. You know, I never talked to Guelph, and I was a US team guy, committed to Michigan. And you know, going back to the Mark thing, like, in our bed, in our bedroom, I shared a bedroom my younger brother Blake. We had you know two sets of, of covers, two queen beds, and. Mine was a Michigan blank, and his was a Notre Dame, and those are my two final schools that I looked at. I loved both of them. You know, one was a little bit closer to home. They were both close enough. They were both great schools. They were both great. You know, hockey traditions. And um, I'd say the hardest decision of my life was deciding to go to the OHL. And the move was that I was already admitted to Michigan, and I had good marks, so I I knew I'd be able to handle it. And yeah. Plymouth basically said, "Like we'll pay for your schooling while you play here." And if you don't yeah. go, pro, we'll give you the education package. That was a big deal. But like even love Guelph Storms jerseys, even then, like they had good teams. Uh, I think they had Matt Finn, who was a leaf pick, a high second round, yeah. you know, defenseman. Yeah. Uh, Scott Kosmachuk. I'm trying to think of who else they had, you know, because I think yeah, they, they left. Yeah, they had.
1: Yeah. Kirby Reichel was there after. I don't know <laughs> if you ever crossed paths with him. <laughs> he's a He's a funny guy um but they they actually we ran into them in the playoffs my last year and they were that team that was up and coming and we beat them in five but that was a hard that was a hard series they made it hard on us for sure we had the edge i think john gibson wins us that series for sure
0: what a freak athlete he was i ran into him at the u.s team and we were playing uh i i I love telling like certain stories because you like you you run into certain athletes and you know we're all the modern player we're all in a training now and and things like that and john was a goaltender like 16 years old 17 years old that u.s development team hang cleaning like 330 pounds It's like crazy it was, hey like it was a chew toy like yeah yeah and then i remember we were playing basketball one time i thought this was sick we we're playing like the 17s versus the 18s in basketball and i wasn't great at basketball or kicks for that matter um And I like, I go to pump fake and John goes up the block. And so I pump fake and I've got him and I go to reach around him and he goes up North and then he decides he does a full toe touch midair, where his his hands come down to his feet and he lifts his feet up and he blocks my pass with his foot in the air. I was like, this guy's a monster.
1: That's a freak athlete. My, I, so when I got to Kitchener, we were doing this drill in practice where it's almost like a three on one down low. And then the forwards have to go out outside the blue line. I'll regroup, and we'll do a three-on-one back into the like towards the net. It's basically just to get the forwards to touch the puck and score some goals, get them feeling good. And so, if you were doing that drill, would you not try and take away the back door? Would that not be your as a defenseman? Oh, you're looking position. to take away the back. Yeah, exactly. So I'm doing that, right? And he taps me the next before we start the next rep. He goes, "Hey, he goes. You take the slot. I'll take the back door." I was like, wait a second, what? So I did it. I take away the slot. Sure enough, this puck zings across the crease. And all of a sudden, Gibby's just there. And he's, not only is he there, he's like square to it. You know, there's a the difference between goalies that just like get a pad on it or they hope and save no, expect, it. This guy on. was like, no, right into the bread basket. I'm like, okay, this guy's very legit. Very legit goaltender."
0: So you would say overall the OHL was a very good move for your hockey career? um yeah, the I, yeah think, going into pro yeah
1: yeah i think so was, you know what like the ice is always there for you when you want it not that it might not be in other places but like you know high school we'd finish at 12 or 2 depending on your schedule you go the ice is there it's open you can shoot some pucks before practice stay on later after practice like when high school was done we would go for breakfast club, it's called, in the morning, 9 a.m., do some goalie ice, go on in a track suit. Like, just think about how good you can get at hockey when you have that at your disposal at any given moment. But I don't know if I would have got that playing two or three years of Provincial Junior A and then waiting to go NCAA plus all the games, 68 games a year, scouts are in the house, Like, plus playoffs, right?
0: Yeah, seven-game series, which I thought was a huge development point for me. Getting yeah. to play in, in, in real series with, you know, best on best. Guys are playing, you know, 25 to 30 minutes a night. You know, power yeah. play yeah. in the
1: full two. National broadcast, like, nat- like they had the yep. national broadcast, right? So I'm involved in that right now with TSN, but we'll, like we'll get to that after. But um, how about, so you were in the West. So you would have yep. only played Brampton and Mississauga once a year in their yep. barn, right? Once yep. there, once. But so we played in that division. And so we played them six to eight times a year, each team. So that's three or four times in their barn. The amount of scouts on a Sunday afternoon in Brampton or Mississauga, there was like a section and it was all just guys in black jackets and black clipboards. It was like, there could have been a hundred guys on a Sunday afternoon. So what a great opportunity.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, And it, it, Really gave you a chance. Like there were always on almost every team bonafide NHL prospects. Like someone that you know, if they had three top three round picks, you knew one or two of them were going to play for sure. Uh, and as a top player, you're going to get a chance to play against them and, and prove yourself. Like I remember even my first year. I think Erie. You know, that was the year they had Connor McDavid as a 15 year old, and yeah. like Connor Brown, they had Oscar Danskinet. who was a high pick. They had Adam Pelik, and like this team won like. Seven games, eight games. Yeah, they
1: were they were brutal that year,
0: and they still had you know some high end you know players still in their lineup, and you're like, man, I mean, even the forwards I got to play with: Stefan Nason, Vince Trocheck, Ricard Raquel, Tom Wilson, Ryan Hartman. Yeah, uh, you Yards. guys were a tough
1: team to play against. That was, was, was Plymouth. when you yeah. ever played Timoth, It was Plymouth. It was going to be a tough game.
0: Yeah, we were loaded. um Good coach
2: I, too. Yeah, and Mike. I Lewis, you guys had a good coach.
0: now. Yeah. Yeah, um, so sure. help, me, help me understand, you know, because I kept my eye on you also when you were really young playing with Vancouver. I uh, had, the, uh, had the good fortune to do that, too. And I know just how hard and, and trying the NHL game is compared to junior. And you've got the ice time factor. You're not playing 30 minutes a night to get the feel uh, like you would. The game is so much sneakier, so much more structured, so much bigger, so much tougher. Uh, the jumps way faster. Um, everything about it, you know. Wh- what do you remember as a as a twenty year old playing playing games in the National Hockey League?
1: I think we both did it too, wearing number fifty eight at the time. Were we yeah, not? We yeah, yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. I like that. Um, yeah. So the season had just finished in Kitchener. We got knocked out. I went to Chicago, played a couple games. That was Vancouver's AHL affiliate. And I got a call. I was supposed to go Black Ace. In Vancouver, and I got a call saying, Hey, um, instead of coming to Black Ace next week, you're just gonna come a week earlier because we have a bunch of injuries and you'll you'll play against Chicago on Monday. So obviously surreal moment, really cool. And um, but when you talk about actually playing and getting in the situation, the the biggest thing I can say is I was so naive to everything. You know, you're just naive to the consequences on the ice if you do certain things, or you you're just like in this, like it's just this outer outer body experience where you're just out there and playing and you don't even realize that you're in the NHL yet because it hasn't quite hit you like I, I found that I don't know if you had a different experience than me did you find that you were like almost naive to everything around you at that time
0: there were there were absolutely and then there were certain things that I absolutely needed explained to me about the game that no one did that totally caught me by surprise so for example you'll know this you you know you've played professional hockey at a high level now for a long time defensive zone draw both defensemen if you're on your strong sides you're usually exiting out the weak side right you're gonna go bump you know if you're playing with a left shot he's gonna bump it to you you're gonna wheel behind the net come out the right side of the net vice versa on the other side of the rink if you flip sides you're usually going to flip it strong side out. You might run some reverse, but usually you're going to flip it strong side out or make some middle play with the lefty sweeping yep. the puck underneath the, the left dot, and the righty's going to hold on the wall. Jack Hillen was my deep partner, and we decided to go strong side out. He he says, Line up over there. I'm like, oh, All right, fine. And he goes, uh, Hey, hold your guy up. I'm like, All right, you got it, man. I'll hold him up. <laughs> So I, I hold him up for like a second because if you hold him up for three seconds, it's interference. Like that's a yes. penalty right? I just yeah. think and so we win the draw. It's on my sort of corner. He goes back to flip it. I hold my guy up for a second. He my guy goes and blows Jack up, smokes him. <laughs> right? We get back and Jack, who is already one of the grumpiest guys I've ever played with. Him, he's like, hey man, I fucking told you to hold that guy up. <laughs> And I'm like, and I'm a punk kid. I'm like, I did. And he's like, Yeah. Like, you know, no, you need to hold him up. I'm like, All right, you got it, man. So next shift, you know, we get out there, D zone draw. He goes, We're going strong side out. Hold him up this time. I'm like, Hold him up. I go, You got it, bro. (laughs) I hold him up. I give him like a one, one thousand, one and a half. My guy goes and blows Jack up
2: again.
0: Uh (laughs) (laughs) Jack get back to the bench, it's like, dude, I fucking told you, you have to hold that guy up. And so, like, I just, I didn't know that every, I mean, if you watch NHL night, there's an interference off 100% of face-offs.
1: I could chime chime in here on on that, because so my first year pro, this is after I had made my debut after junior, I'm playing third, like, I'm called up. Vancouver carried 8D. Okay, so if I'm called up and I'm playing, that means there are The sixth guy, the seventh guy, and the eighth guy are all hurt. So that's how dire the situation is at this point. So I'm called up and I'm playing. And so they have me playing my offside, and I'm playing with Yannick Weber, smaller puck-moving guy, bomb of a shot. And Webby did really well for himself over his career. But anyways, we get into a D-zone draw situation, and I'm the board-side guy. And at this point... Um, I've kind of figured out that like, okay, I I understand my, my role, right. My responsibility. I need to hold this guy up. Like you just said. Right. So I think we're playing LA and I'm in this situation where I'm in the, on the third pair, but I'm not necessarily playing a regular ship.
0: You ever get that over your career? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, You're playing like, yes. Max.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. It's like it ends up being like five or six minutes because you'll only get out there if the fourth line is out for sure. And it's like, the whistle the 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 two finger whistle goes, and it's like whoever's on the ice, get off so Frankie can go on for the fourth line shift, you know, yep. and just eat a few eat a, eat a minute or whatever, so anyways, I hold this guy up, and I thought I did a pretty good job at it, and the whistle blows, and I'm thinking, oh, okay, like just the ref fucked up, dropping the puck, like we're gonna do it all over again, and the ref goes twenty six two minutes interference, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me I like I can't, I'm playing three minutes and you're going to call me on this interference off a off of faceoff. Like, pick a real call to call in the game, not this nonsense. Like, now I'm done. Now I'm done because I, I only had five minutes to work with. You're taking you. two minutes. You're taking two minutes from me now and I got to be in the box. You think the coach is going to put me back on the fucking ice? <laughs> you, you know, like, but unless you've been in that situation, you don't, you don't, like, no one would
0: understand that, right? you know somehow some way we we're talking about this a little bit before we started you know the concept of of luck and how it does you know as athletes you're you're taught you're responsible for how you prepare you're responsible for how you play um you know which i believe but there there is a tremendous amount of luck and it it does shape you as a person and 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 you know the the how things go or is you know, oftentimes can be decided as neither good nor bad. It's just kind of what you do with it. Yeah. And um, you know, I remember very similarly that I was playing in Dallas and I I'd just come back from injury. I'd just broken my leg and, you know, missed, you know, three, four months. And I was not, you know, this, like every every day, even when you're healthy, is a is a grind to stay in the NHL. And I missed, you know, three and a half months in the middle of the year. I, I didn't have that kind of leash to do that at that time. We're playing St. Louis. And I'm jacked, like i I'm so excited. I'd played one game prior, but we dressed seven defensemen, played like three minutes. you know, coaches like you look slow, I'm like, yeah, I felt slow, I played three minutes, you know, thanks Play
2: three minutes
0: like you know, um right let's that'd be like to tell a coach trying to try to coach the game with your eyes open for three minutes of the game, like you only get to watch three minutes and you gotta coach the third period and know who's going, you know, like yeah, yeah, just fascinating, and uh. I I step out on a play. There's like a drop pass, and I'm playing my offside, so I'm playing the left side, and I go out. It's a drop pass to Colton Pareko, who's you know 15 feet tall, and I go out with my stick, and the forward driving the net pops my stick, pops my stick, and hits Pareko in the face. Two minutes, right? So oh. I'm um, you know I'm 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 like I'm dead as soon as I get back to the bench. I'm done tonight, dude. Like, you I,
1: just. You- how do, you, how do you describe the physical feeling you feel? Like, what would you get? Would you get, like, the, the throat kind of seize up, or would you get, I mean, like, it's, the stomach's pit? It's, like-
0: pure, it's pure fight or flight. Like, it's pure or fun. It, it's like the, the rink gets small. You're sitting there. You're, like, rubbing your temples. You're, like, you're, yeah. you're cutting deal with Jesus Christ. You're, like, God, if they just don't score, like, <laughs> I will do – unbelievable amount of penance like I'm, gonna, like, I'm gonna recycle i'm gonna go to church I'll on sunday <laughs> i will never swear again i will throw away my tv like yeah i will you know everything right i'll never yell at my dog again everything yeah so then my second shift i uh i get back out there my I'm, i think i had 13 seconds of ice time and two penalties ryan o'reilly grabs my stick you know, because he does that a lot. Like he, where he grabs oh, yeah. the stick. Oh yeah. Grabs my stick and like puts it in his arm and goes down. You know, second penalty. I'm done for the night. I think I had you know a minute thirty worth of ice time. Yeah. Just just melting and and you're sitting there thinking to yourself. You're like you know like you know if this game goes well, maybe I get another. Maybe I get another, but you know, just somehow, <laughs> some way, like luck plays a role. Like how huh, you know, th- think over the course of your career. You know where are examples? You know for our listener, for a lot of young kids that you know maybe are, are on the good or bad side of occurrences in their career. Like, what would be one example where you look back and you're like, "Wow, like I got really lucky there. That was a that was a good deal." And yeah. what would be an um, example? Where you're like, "That is a that was raw. That was not fair in raw. the hockey guy." I would,
1: I would say that that last year of junior for me, I got off to this really hot start, and I wasn't a big points guy. I think the, the highest points I ever had was 30 in Sudbury. And okay, that's fine. It's almost half a point a game. But that last year, I was scorching hot, like right out of the gate, had a five-point night, was player of the week, defenseman of the month. Then I get invited to um, that Subway Super Series game, the, the OHL versus Russia. And I score the game-winning goal on Vasilevsky. And you talk about a lucky break. Like, my deep, there was uh, you know how we play now, right? You, you bring your forward up high, your F3 up high, you do a little exchange with the D, get a puck on net, and you come downhill. You come downhill and you bury it. And so that's exactly what happened. But if they didn't do that nice exchange up top, if the puck didn't go right off the goalie's pad, right onto my stick as I'm coming downhill, I don't score that goal. So that's luck. Yeah, I did the right things, like we talked about the preparation. I did all the right philosophies and executed. But if that puck doesn't go there, it's a nothing play in the game. But anyways, the puck goes right off Vasilevsky's pad, right on my stick, back of the net, boom. There's your game-winning goal for Team OHL against Russia. So now all of a sudden, I'm at World Juniors Camp. So World Juniors Camp gets going. I don't make the team, but game one, I score a goal again. I don't know, just a shot on net. I've done it a million times. I've hit shin pads, I've put it in the goalie's chest, I've missed the net, but this one went posting in, like you read about, beautiful, right? Every scout in the building, TSN, media, you name it, everyone's in the house, and they just saw this guy go posting in, I'm like, that's a great feeling, wow, that was, and that's that's lucky, like, it is luck. Then the next game, uh, join the rush, done something you've done a million times, join the rush, stop it, shoot it, another shot goes in like i scored i just scored two goals at the world juniors camp i scored the game-winning goal at the subway subway super series like and these are just on plays that they could have been nothing but the the puck ends up going in so there's your luck like as at the end of the day i think that's luck i don't know how you see it
0: i mean i agree like uh you know i look at my career you know a a monumental moment you know Adam, adam Oates is a coach in washington Adam Oates believes wholeheartedly. Without negotiation, he wants three defensemen on their left side. He wants three defensemen on their right side.
1: Righties, righties, and lefties,
0: right? Righties and lefties, non-negotiable. Yeah. right. Well, they, you know, were a little wealthy on the left side in terms of, you know, they had Cameron Schilling out of Miami, who was a high-end uh, free agency signing. They had Dmitry Orlov, who played a bunch of NHL games on the left side. They had, uh, you know, Nate Schmidt, who had played some games and, and was another high-end. A free agent you know who's uh, you know in the nhl now um i didn't really have to compete with those guys because adam believed in right shots and so right. you know for whatever reason they were a little fit at the time you know it was steve alexi's job the year prior who i know you know and they decided yeah. to go with me i was kind of young offered a different look you know i was you know maybe a little more polished with the puck in certain ways um right. you know and, and and get a huge break all of a sudden i'm 19 years old playing the national hockey league uh went into training camp without a deal and and now I'm on the opening night roster, right? Uh get traded to, to uh Toronto, have that, you know, those those handful of games down the stretch where the team, you know, was tanking for Matthews, right? Uh, you know, we, we play together, they send me down to the Marlies. We've got Stu Percy, who's very good. Uh, they had Renat Valiev, who was a high end, you know, draft pick. They had uh who else was on defense? You know, Victor Louvre. Right. Yeah, you know, Justin Hall, you know tj brennan yeah um and uh for whatever reason i had had a really good american league year. i was a two-time hl all-star at this point point. and my goal you know during that stretch when i was with the leafs with you was like okay just prove that you can swim like our like you won't sink like our, our team right. wasn't very good every play was like off the glass because we didn't have much offensive talent down the stretch we we're defending our ass off yeah show your competitive make the plays he can you know i was nervous as hell to play for mikey he, he was a he was a big you know um oh, yeah. intimidating force you know which which we could talk about and uh you know the the way we played was very strict a couple of those things really played into how i how i played a couple of those things really hurt me um it, but all of a sudden i go down to the Marlies' power play first power play non-negotiable like Tons of points, filled the net, everything went in the net. I, I led the
1: didn't you have a hat trick in the I playoffs?
0: Led, I had a five point night against Bridgeport in the playoffs. I had I led the American League playoffs in scoring as a D man. There you go. Not making the final. Like Yeah. Lightning in a ball. Like, yes, I was playing good. Yes, I had built my offensive game over two years, you know, with Hershey, with Troy Man, who you had in Belleville, was a, a really yeah. high end offensive coach for me. But like we had other good players that could have played on the power play, and like I couldn't have told Sheldon Keith at the time that he was wrong. Like they were there, the Marlies had had this historic season, but I get the look. Yeah, I didn't drop the ball, but you know, was I entirely deserving of that undivided look? I don't know. You know, obviously I did something with it, so, so you made
1: you made the most so. of it for sure. And then like you're you're probably thinking like I can't miss, I can't miss right now. Like just shoot everything.
0: I've, I've actually gone back over the course of even as I've gotten older and just like can't believe some of the areas of the ice I would be in. Like, like I, I have a goal against Bridgeport where I join as the fourth guy. I'm a right shot. You're a right shot. So we, we normally join. It's a left side entry. It's like a four on two and a half, four on three. I'm the fourth guy. I kind of know I'm not going to get it. I'm on the other dot lane, which is where you usually are. Right, you yeah. come right down the middle. There's all that congestion. You come down the far dot lane, You have an angle at the net.
2: Yeah.
0: And uh, I don't get it. So for whatever reason, I kind of peel off. You know, i now I'm in the middle of the ice. I for whatever reason am skating backwards towards my own net. Now in the middle of the ice, I'm at like the top of circle. I hit my right edge, and I do an inside edge all the way to like the left dot, almost like the Ovechkin spot. <laughs> for whatever reason, Willie Nealander is making a cutback in the right corner, which would be my strong side corner. I just go to the back post. Sure. Why not? I just go to the back post five on five as a D man yeah. banging in. Like that was my, I think it was my second goal tonight. night. Um, you know, just uncanny ability to find, you know, slots and spacing at that time. And
1: do you, do it's you helpful use Instat?
0: Do you use Instat? Do you have that?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So last year was the first year I used it in Sweden because the team had the subscription and we all got, we all got it. So, I thought it was really cool and I'm using it for my games. And then all of a sudden the light bulb goes off in my head. I go, why don't I go back, check out some old games. So I start seeing what, what we got in old games. And I find my last game that I played as a Leaf. I think it was in February of 2017.
0: Was it, against the it, was Rangers? Against, it was
1: against the Rangers. And you oh, and I God. are D partners that day. And I don't know That's what true. you remember. I don't know what you remember about that game, but I have some vivid ahead? memories. Have some I remember memories. Yeah. What do you remember? So, the first thing that comes to mind is we got scored on in the first period. Yep. And I think it was, I can't remember who it was, but I had cross-checked, I think it was Kreider. I'd cross-checked him in the ribs. He was not happy on the play. But something happened and you and I get scored on and I could just feel coming back to the bench, I could just feel that like there was like eyes like lasers coming through the back of my head. And I don't know if you had that feeling too, but I did.
0: (laughs) I I remember talking to you before the game because you know you had a tough year. I played. I had played one game at that point. This was my first game. This was my first game since November, which people and and fans might have no idea how difficult that is mentally and physically. No, and No. no
1: sympathy either. And don't don't like yeah. I played some games on a conditioning stint for the Marlies. That like that's that's not a that doesn't prepare you to, to play no. it
0: <laughs> completely different. completely yeah. different and uh especially against a team like the rangers that were particularly tough because they were streaky right like they would just send a guy for a breakaway like they weren't yeah great but they were really dangerous offensively so it was a game that you'd win a lot of times but it was really stressful for d-men because you know yeah. they had. A, they, it, i think the goal was michael grabner was it not off a breakaway that was later.
1: That was late. So the the first one was we were playing down low, and we I, I don't know. I gotta find this clip. I'll find it and send it to you. We were playing down low. We tried to. I tried to keep the puck going. It hit a shin pad. All of a sudden, we're in the corner now. Try and get in our structure. Rangers make a couple passes to someone in the slot, and where it's like a missed assignment, and boom, it's in the back of the net. All I'm thinking is you gotta be. We couldn't my get through the was, first uh, period. Like, we couldn't get through the first period.
0: <laughs> my favorite was when he'd come down and he'd, he'd talk to the D coach and be like, he doesn't have it tonight. He's done. He'd oh. t- t- he's done tonight. He doesn't have oh, it. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. But we got split up. Like, we got split up shortly thereafter. Like, we I, we were not allowed on the ice together after that. I remember
0: I remember there was a, a face-off. There was an ozone draw. And we never ran face-off plays, right? It was just our style. We always sent two to the net. and It was just a... Yeah. A shot and start the ozone structure. triangle and go a little high, ping pong it, hammer it again. Yeah, and uh, we win it. We win the draw soft, and I start. To, our winger looks right at me, and so I start to lunge forward because I'm like, "Oh, this can be a nice offensive chance," and we just duff it, and it like right. bounces by me neutrals, and so I'm leaning forward. Michael Grabner's on the outside. Of course like yeah, good luck just goes need a chest full road runner you know breakaway i can't remember if he scored or not
1: and i'll just I'll i do remember that a... clip now i remember that now i was on the bench because <laughs> we weren't allowed on the ice anymore together
0: <laughs> i remember the next uh the next day we sh- they the coaching staff showed the clip and uh you know uh, babcock said something like and for christ's sake he's like you gotta skate here i'm thinking to myself i'm like you know, this Michael Grabner is pretty quick north south, and like I had a losing start to go to start with. And
1: oh,
2: oh man!
1: You want to you want to talk about a time you had bad luck in your career? So in that game, that game against the Rangers, we're off, like I'm off to a not very good start. Okay, and we're split up. We're not allowed on the ice together. I think at this point, though, I had been on for a goal four. So I'm even, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. The fact that I got myself back to even on paper and I'm like, okay, we can, we can get going here. You know, like we got it back. Sure. Let's, let's keep it going. I have a shift where I'm still playing my offside now. Cause I'm playing with Foley. Yep. Hit Bozak in the middle. Nice breakout pass. I'm like, perfect. Getting off the ice. That was great. Great shift, man. You know, I'm telling myself this stuff on the ice, you know, like you have to, oh, yeah. So then we end up having, it's it's a face-off just outside our blue line. Playing my offside. Puck comes back to me. I go to touch it over to Poli. This thing grenades right over my stick. Like, how many times did you just touch the puck, boom, make a pass, and it was flat the whole time? Great. This thing grenades right over my stick. I can't remember if it was Kreider or Grabner, one of those guys. But they're coming at me full speed, obviously. So he pushes the puck ahead. I give him the hook, you know, and I'm off to the box and there it's off the rails again. It's off the rails because it's just a shit bounce. And, and now it's, it's hard for me to recover because I'm mind fucked as it is. And I think I ended up getting another penalty too later in the game. It was, it was not a good scene for me, buddy. I was, and I was, I watched the media afterwards and I was like, yeah, I don't know. It was not bad. I really wanted to say it was fucking dog shit is what it was
0: (laughs) yeah like let's let's talk a little about like the resilience from that because like i you know i was always an anxious kid and playing in that environment you know was was difficult for me um from a performance perspective and i can see it now like i go back and i watch old games I'm like that that doesn't skate like me like that that doesn't even look like the same player um i get that as i am as I, as I am, you know, as, as I was yesterday for the Marleys, and as I was then the next year when I was gone in in Dallas, whatever. Um, but it's really led me down a path of, you know, I've I've, you know, I'm into the meditation. I know you are too.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, you know, very exploratory in you know the breath work and and how it's able to manipulate you know the nervous system things like that. You've worked with some high end you know physical practitioners, uh, you know Peter Renzetti, uh, Dr. Aubrey Green, you know, Maddie Nickel. Um, like, you're better for it. Oh,
2: yeah. You're I better think for the
0: meditation,
1: it. the meditation is the biggest thing that I've done, I think that helps me on a day-to-day basis. Taking that 10 minutes to just calm things down, breathe, get your mind in the right space. I find, I started doing it midday. I used to, I was always doing it at, like, weird times. I don't know if you ever experienced that. Like, just because the way the schedule is. You know, sometimes you can do it in the morning, whatever. Did you you ever hear about this thing about sleep-deprived people? Um, I can't remember the exact thing it was, but it was, like, they took sleep-deprived people, people who had legitimate insomnia, and they had them meditate between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. every single day. And apparently, that was, like the the golden hour, I guess, to meditate, and it helped. It was one of the things that helped cure these people of this insomnia. I don't know if you ever heard that. Yeah. No. No. Yeah, I found that interesting. So every day between ten and two, that's like my window to try and try and get ten minutes in.
0: I like it in the morning, but you know, I I also just like getting up and and doing my thing in the morning. You know, kind of writing my schedule down and. Where, where I've really found it helpful is, is that post-practice where it's like, cause it's, cause it's almost like you have in pro hockey, you have really three days, like three segments in a day. You have sort of your morning and practice. These are practice days. Your yeah. morning and your practice schedule. Then you've got that lunch, you know, post skate fatigue, you know, yeah. kind of window. And then bedtime fun time, you know, I live with my wife. So, you know, movie time, dinner, whatever and they're, they're really pretty distinct pockets. And I find, uh, you know, sort of a post-practice reset really helps me re-energize for sure, uh, pay attention when I'm home. Cause usually I'm replaying practice or, or whatever coach said, or, or whatever, you know, went down in video, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, and it really helps me be, you know, present there and kind of reset i had a uh i had a health practitioner tell me you know she was she was giving me this story and she's like you know do do you spend time in calm states on purpose you know do you spend time in and i was like well i mean i consider myself a decently calm person like i claim i have great you know poise at the puck like I, i think i'm a calm person yeah She's like, I don't know, between the caffeine and the big hits and the light nights and the m M&M and the Fifty Cent and you know music up to ten. She's like, you're grooving your brain, you're shaping your brain towards these these really high, you know, energy states.
2: Right. Uh, and she goes,
0: you know, she goes, Connor, I have a lot of like Wall Street uh, clients, for example, that are done now. They made all their money, they they did the thing, they they you know accomplished their dream. And now they're retired and living in Puerto Rico or Cabo, wherever she goes, and they still think like the lions at the door, like they cannot calm down because they haven't built this circuitry in their brain. These pathways are, are it's a foreign language to them to feel this way. They, they cannot understand it. It's not accessible to them. Uh, and it won't be accessible to you unless you groove, uh, you, you floss these patterns into yourself and it really kind of, help me understand like, okay, if you do not practice this space, it will not be available to you. You will miss it entirely. It's funny that you mentioned the music
1: too, because I was always a guy that like, I need my playlist before the game. I need the volume loud. I need these songs and I need to feel that. Is it like an endorphin rush? I need to feel that before the game or else I would like get worried. I'd get stressed out before the game. I'm like, oh, I don't, I haven't felt that yet. Like I don't have it. Am I going to be able to play this, this game? And as I've gotten older now, I've realized that the more I put myself in that state with the Metallica and the Eminem and whatever you want, whatever it is, I'm like, you, you can't, I almost find I couldn't hold that state. So I would like drop off too much and then I would try and get it back up and then I would drop off too much. And so now even with music and I'm a big music guy, I love music. I play the guitar, I love rock. I love, you know, any, I love anything. And so now I find myself listening to things that are like a little more chilled out because I know that if I keep bringing myself up to that point, there's the drop off and it's coming. And like, I'm a big caffeine guy too. We're just, we're coffee snobs in this household big time. <laughs> we might have, I think we have like four or five different contraptions to make coffee with here. So like, and there's no chance I'm just never cutting out caffeine. I'll tell you right now, there's two to three coffees a day minimum.
0: Yeah, it's a sad. Uh, once it hits two o one p.m., that's my cutoff. That's a sad time of the day because I'm like, you know, what am I gonna do, dude? Uh-huh.
1: We say we say my wife and I say the same thing, and it'll be like four o'clock. We're like, ah, I'm so pissed. Can't have another coffee today. I can't wait. <laughs> can't wait to have a coffee tomorrow. Yeah,
0: yeah. 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 So, right. what about uh, some of the injuries you've had? You had a pretty nasty ankle sprain, grade three. You had the ACL reconstruction. You had the yeah, the quad tendon tear we were talking about. Uh, you yeah. know, what about yourself? Have you learned, uh, you know, concerning that? Because I think that that like I'll go first. Like I remember, I separated my shoulder my first year in Hershey, and like I legitimately thought, I'm like, oh, man, I had a good run. Like, yeah, I'm being like, I'll never get back in the lineup. Like we have so many good defensemen. The team's winning yeah. now. We had eleven defensemen with NHL experience my first year with the Hershey Bears. Yeah. And I'm like, we'd lose a game in like five D men <laughs> five D men would come out of the lineup. And I'd be like, Yeah, I'm just never gonna get in. This is it for me. And yeah. uh just naive, like you were saying earlier. Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, I had a, a lesser injury earlier in my career. I think it was my second year with second year pro with the Canucks. And I went back for a puck, I twisted weird and something happened, and it was just this sharp pain in my abdomen and I was called up. Like, I was called up. I was playing a regular shift, and I'm like, there's no way. I'm just not leaving this game. Like, this pain's just going to go away, and, and I'm not leaving this game. I don't care how bad it hurts. And talk about I a know.
0: trauma, by the way. Total denial. Total,
1: total <laughs> denial. This <laughs> is like, this is therapy session stuff. Like, this is what yeah. I talk about with a therapist. And so I'm like in pain, whatever, but I'm not leaving this game. I'm not even telling anyone. In so much pain. Anyways, finish the game, play horrible. Just an absolute mockery of the game. At one point, I think I had a 10-foot lead um, on someone to beat out an icing, and they beat me for the icing. Like, that's how bad this this game was for me. Anyways, next day, get to the rink. I'm in pain again, but we have an optional skate. I'm like, no, nah, it's going on? Fuck it, I'm going on. Anyways, can't shoot the puck. Just so much pain. End up telling them, like, listen, I'm in, I'm in a lot of pain. We got to get this thing figured out had a torn oblique torn oblique, yes. but that, that's just, ha- I don't know if it's me or if that's I'm different or, or if you can relate to that, you have, you've, you're called up, you're playing a regular shift and all of a sudden this thing happens and you're like, I can't give this up. Like I, I am so afraid that if I leave, if I give up this spot, someone's going to take it and I'm never coming back. And it sounds so stupid now when I listen to myself talk about it and someone else is probably listening, thinking like you're an idiot, but I don't care man you're not in that position you don't understand what it's like to to, to think that it's just you're not thinking rational
0: I remember l- reading about it was an I I can't remember the book it was about uh the, a, you know study of different um economic psychology and they were talking about like the most timid investor you know someone you know without a lot of income you know really has no problem kind of risking it for the biscuit cuz they they've already been broke uh it, it, there's really only upside you know they can do right. they, can, they can elevate their lifestyle permanently if this hits in whatever they're investing in and then you know there's the wealthy right you know let's let's think very wealthy they've they've got money to blow so it, it's it's worth it for them to have some risk in their portfolio because you know they really can uh outnumber their losses they've got deep pockets and over the course of time they'll hit more than they lose and and they're they end up winners right uh, but the most risk-averse person was like the middle class who, who had just risen there, that the person who had had a poor life and had finally kind of risen through the ranks, the socioeconomic right. ranks, had a dollar to lose, and, and it would hurt, right? And that, that's the depth player in the NHL. They are okay. just there, and they are constantly rem- – listen, there's two types of players in the NHL. There's guys who check the lineup when they walk in, and there's guys who don't.
1: <laughs> buddy i check the lineup every day no matter what first thing i did before i took off my street clothes right to the lineup
0: well go check it out race Like, can't wait uh you know to see it actually you know sometimes you're you can wait you're more nervous um yeah you know otherwise but like it it uh I, I had the same thing in dallas i i was playing against dallas playing really well we were talking about this before um you know fizzled out in toronto uh, knew I wasn't going to be a part of the team. I had had like two and a half years there where I was, you know, in more than I was out That second full year. I ended up stringing together like 50 something games, but just like a horseshoe up my ass, like, uh, you know, a lot of big injuries. There was actually like premium ice time available Um, was going to do. Okay. Got waived and traded on the same day to Dallas. I think there were three teams that had put a claim in on me or we're going to according to my agent and then, you know he kind of found a way to get me traded to dallas i'm playing eight games ten games whatever it is and i've got a handful of points i'm plus a couple a couple big um you know goals and things like that and uh i loot we we're strict man-on-man which is rare now in the nhl you don't in see Dezo. that
2: anymore yeah. you don't
0: see it very often and i am clinging to my guy on the backside, right like the puck goes up top to john i think it was jonathan erickson he goes cross. Trevor Daly's a left shot, so he's taking a one timer. My guy decides to go to the back side of the net, so I kind of cling to him, and I look left, and all this puck smokes me in the like right on the ankle bone, right in that you know uh, dome yeah. on the inside of your. Head. And I mean, like I couldn't see. I was in so much pain, like like right. just the right trauma response. Like whole rink went red black. Uh, I end up. I remember watching the shift. I'm like. I almost get hit by another puck because I'm like shaking it off, but I'm directly behind the net. So like, I didn't even know where I was in time and space. And uh, it was the end of the period. Get it x-rayed looks like nothing. So great. You know, but the x-ray machine at the rink wasn't, wasn't working very well. Apparently play the rest of that game. I'm, I am purposely line changing every time Dylan Larkin or a Thanos come on the ice. Cause I'm like, if though, if I got to catch one of these guys, I'm dead. Like I'm I'm oh, gonna yeah. lose by a mile.
1: Yeah, those guys can play. And uh,
0: I remember the end of the second, I end up this is what every defenseman dreams of, right? Top four. I'm playing with Miro Ice get in, you know, who's gonna go on to be an NHL All-Star stud. Um, you know, on a good defensive team, like all I've got to do is kind of do my job. Like sift a couple pucks, pick up some points, stay that's plus, it. find your Have your, assignment. guy off. Have, have your assignments in the D zone, and, and that's it. And it's a yeah. simple game, right? It's a very yeah. vanilla simple game and I can do well and I played Funny, 22 minutes and night. it's greens
1: fairway to green that's all that's it a, is
0: <laughs> Pars, right um and uh I played 22 minutes that night and I all I could think about is like they how are they missing that I suck <laughs> I'm ter- and Ben Bishop I'll never forget he was one of the more he, he was a riot to play with he was extremely vocal he would yell at you mid-shift I'd never seen it before so oh, like yeah. if you were a demon and you would come back on a puck Let's say he wanted you to wheel the weak side, he'd be yelling wheel. So wheel, but for whatever reason, let's say I already set my angle to go up the strong side. Yeah, he would yell like, "I told you to wheel!" Like as you're making your play, you're like, <laughs> "Thanks, fine."
1: Yeah, oh. he's just
0: competitive, but he uh and so he yells at me at the end of the second period. He's like, "The fuck are you doing out here? You're spinning around like a top in D-zone." I'm thinking to myself, I'm like. Yep, you're right. You're absolutely <laughs> right. I am. I sure Not am. Not pivot off my right foot, you know, yeah. at all. Like, I couldn't cross my my foot under. Like I couldn't do a crossover to my right. Right. Uh, at all, because it would just crunch into that part you're, of my boot. Um, you, know
1: what's, you know what's interesting? I read this book in my career, and I don't. it's an older book. It's probably written in the 90s, and it's, it's funny that it's written in the 90s because it's called The New Mental Toughness Training for Sports. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Um, but it follows tennis mostly, but I, I find it's very relatable to hockey and there's one chapter and you're reading this book and then, you know how the chapter comes up and the chapter is called no one cares. And basically the sentiment behind that chapter is like, take your situation. You have a bum foot or a broken leg in that situation, but guess what? Ben Bishop doesn't care. Because you're not pivoting properly, and that's the only thing that matters in that situation. I had a torn oblique, and I played like shit, but no one cares, because the only thing that matters is winning that game. And you can go on and on, and you can find different examples of this. But at the end of the day, if we put ourselves in these positions, we still have to perform, because guess what? No one cares. I I think it's such a good lesson for young players, especially, because... You know, like, that's just not, that's not something you realize at at a young age, I find, I think that comes with maturity.
0: Well, and, you know, something else I, I've, that comes with maturity is like, yes, you always want to gut it out for the team, but no one does care. And you do have to do your best over the course of your career. Like you've been at it since when 2009 now, yeah. right? Really 2009 since you played in the OHL, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I played in the OHL 2012 was my first year. So we've been pros for you know a long time in you know 13 years essentially right yeah and uh like i I've, I've learned that like i i used to kind of give myself a pat on the back i'd play with the flu and like i'd be out there eight seconds and be looking for the exit be dying yeah. Right? Yeah, now, for sure. now looking ahead i'm like yes there's a certain level of toughness if your coach asked you to play right like say you yeah. approach him and say i don't think i can go and they say, listen, I get it, but I just need you on the power play. Like do whatever you need to do to just be good those two minutes. Yeah. All right. Well now, now you and your coach made a, a team first, you know, and a, a person first decision, right? Like they, oh, they aligned. Yeah. Um, I, I just went through, like I had a, I had a block shot the other night and I'm out there in the second period. I'm like, I'm, I'm what it's the American hockey league. You know, it. it's a physical style hockey. Like yeah. guys are looking at guys' heads off every shift. I'm like, Pretty simple. I can't. If someone tries to hit me right now, I can't avoid them. I'm like I, I have to go come up with another solution,
2: yeah. because,
0: like, no one's gonna care if I get hurt worse, right? And I didn't no. have, you know, frankly, the the leadership skill to to pull myself out, right. um, and figure out a solution because this what what's going on right now is not doable.
1: Will you will you rim pucks? Will you rim pucks?
0: they got
2: break breakout.
1: Yeah, hey, if you go back right. behind the net, you'll rim them.
2: Oh, yeah. I remember
1: there was a part, of, a part of my career, and I feel like this was probably in Toronto too. There was like an anti rimming
2: the puck philosophy. Did you feel that? Yeah. Did you feel that way?
0: So, uniquely, when I got to Toronto, the hardest, it, it was almost an entire flip of what I was used to. So, in yeah. Hershey, where I was coming from, we were strictly in a, a weak side team. Yeah. Kept a lot of pucks on the walls on purpose. Um, and we had a ton of creativity, and you played for Troy, man. High yeah. F three, lots of one three one looks, you know, in the Adjusted offensive zone. Scoring.
1: Adjusted scoring, man. Like,
0: yeah, no, shoot no, for the back
1: saw, never hit he, the goalie. Yeah, did he say no red shots? Was he was he yelling yeah. at? Yeah, outside. No red, yeah, yeah, no red he shots. Said. Yeah,
0: and I really like that. And then Toronto was the direct opposite, like yeah. only middle pop plays, like. No builds, neutral zone, only right up, and only hammer the puck immediately, like no dragging or anything in the the offensive blue line. And it was like completely the opposite in every zone. It was really difficult.
1: I, I found that really weird playing for Babcock because I always thought he was like this puck possession guy. I always thought he was like this, you know, Detroit plays this nice style with puck possession, and I'm in the dressing room. I'm like, this guy literally just wants us to quick up everything, hammer pucks up the ice. Like at one point, I don't know if you remember this, in a neutral zone situation, puck would go D to D to you on the right side. The weak side winger was cutting right across the ice because you were going up and it was tip and he wanted that weak side winger getting in on the forecheck. And I've never seen that before. Usually that weak side winger comes nice and low. Maybe you pop a seam, cra- seam pass across. I thought that was, that was strange. I'd never seen that before, but I did the opposite. I came from Toronto where it was like, go back for pucks, eat a hit and try and like shovel this thing to the middle of the ice. And I found we'd get hit a lot. And yep. then I go, like, I go to Bell. Well, Pittsburgh was a dink team. Pittsburgh was like a, you make those little dink that passes.
0: Wall, 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 dink, net dink. Ball,
1: yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which I didn't mind, but but it, it kind of brings everyone low into the zone. It it might be a little slower, but I go to Belleville, I'm playing for Troy Mann, and he's like, no, weak side. We want to break out the weak side, rim that bitch, and we'll get the puck out and we'll go skate onto it. And I'm like, this is great. I'm not getting hit as much anymore. I'm not in my zone as much anymore. And it's like, I understand these these minor hockey, you you teach kids not to just rely on rimming pucks, but you talk about the AHL, guys are coming to put you through the boards. I'm going to rim that sucker sometimes because it's just what you need to do, man.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And it's interesting. Now, the older we get in pro, just the, the, the difference uh, of fits out there and how much it matters for, you know, the, the way you want to play. I mean, it's cool right now. So I'm with Charlotte and we have a dual affiliate. So I got to go through Seattle's camp. And then our, our head coach, uh, Jordy Kieran is, is, you know, mainly, a uh, he was elected by Florida, right? Like we have a Florida Panther patch on our Jersey. So it's maybe it's 51, 49, you know, Florida, whatever, but we're super integrated as a group. I'd say some of the offensive principles might, they have a flavor more of Florida if I had to guess. And I haven't been, I was, I spent an entire two days with the Seattle Kraken this year. So I don't entirely understand their offensive plan because, you know, I'm sure they've changed things since training camp. Um, but it's, it's pretty sick. Like they want to attack, like they want to take guys on, they need guys to use their backhand. they, and it's a good fit. They, they want their defensemen involved. They want, you know, uh, if you can hit the top D-man for him to slide and that other d like you're just taking off towards the back post and like, it's the top yeah. guy's job to sort it out. And it's interesting. Like, you know, I remember um, I was playing for the Leafs and, and we were like, we were saying, like uh, like pinball flippers at the top, right? It was an automatic shoot immediately, which I think yeah. is a skill. It's a skill play yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And I had a coach from, that I consulted with in the summer, and he basically said, Connor, like, I don't know what else to tell you, but like, you're like you're, your numbers in terms of percentage of getting the puck on net or, or even like a scoring chance or even your team just gets it back is, is really tough. Yeah. Um, numbers are awful. And I don't know what to tell you. I know I don't want to tell you what not to do what your coach said. And so finally we agreed, like, I'm just going to kind of add my flavor. You know, I'm going to dust it off as, you know, oh, for, yeah. for a second and get the sifter through because yeah. that was what I was really good at. That's what I produced all those points with the Marlies with. That's what, you know, th- those backside shots for tips. And, and we had some guys with great hands that could tip, you know, JVR. And yeah. timing was at the net a lot. And my yeah, second Brownie, year offense. Brownie was, was sniffing around a lot. Much better. Um, just with a little bit of, I want to say calculated, you know, rebelliousness was really served my game. Well,
1: it's funny that you have to think about it as calculated rebelliousness because holding the puck an extra half second should not be seen that way. You know, it should just be a normal thing. It's like, but you, you have to think about it that way because that's how strict it was at the time.
0: It was. and, And you know what, it's funny I remember moving on and being in Dallas and in Jersey. And I don't know if you experienced this, but I would make a mistake that I remember being a mistake under, you know, the, the coaching staff we were on. And like, everything was very permanent. If you'll remember, like, if you made a mistake, like your ice time would be docked for like, you, you wouldn't like miss shifts. You miss shifts for like five straight games. It was hard. Yeah, exactly. If it, perfect, if it went perfect, you'd get like two more minutes. Yes. Right. And then those five had to go perfect. So like you could, with one bad shift, screw yourself up for 10, 15 games. Really? That's what it felt like. Maybe it was. I felt that. I don't know
1: about, I don't know about 10 or 15, but I definitely felt that it could, it could kind of compound into, into the next game and the game after that a little bit. But I will say like, I probably learned a little bit. Like, I'm not going to say I probably did. I learned a lot about hockey because our video sessions I found were really good. Like I found I could, I could. I found – because they were short too. They were like five minutes long, but it was like right to the point and you could understand things. And I'll give him credit in that regard. I won't give him credit in any other regard other than that, uh, to be honest with you. Yeah, um, that's but the, 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 the one that I think – the D-zone coverage, three one-on-ones low, two guys on the rail. You must remember that. Yep. The three one-on-ones low now. I think I think that's like that's done now. The one-on-one's low. You need layers. You need like guys are too good. Like I don't know. You're playing in the American League. You must see it. Like guys are making these nice plays in tight spaces, and guys are really sprinting to the net, and you can't cross-check them as much anymore. I think you just need a little more of a, a layer protection there. I've been talking about it on the radio here in Toronto like crazy because it seems like seems like Keith is or that this Toronto team has done a a little bit of a different philosophy now in the d zone i could be wrong but
0: yeah i think i think uh you know we run it similar to florida and seattle they both have the same d zone coverage and it's basically you know a demon in the corner grinding a center helping them out uh strong side and weak side wing are both kind of sheltering and then the strong side, you know the the wingers i think have a good responsibility in terms of like okay if the if the down low offense is under duress sure take away you know your strong side demon and try and pick a puck off yeah uh if if their eyes are available and and they're exerting their will on us a little bit like protect the inside and hope for a relief to the top and then engage five one-on-ones and everyone do your, your yeah box that's out when things. it turns into a one-on-one when it goes up top
1: i agree with that
0: and what, and what i really like too is like i remember we were all over like boxing out was everything like heaven forbid, right? And we play a little bit now, and I think I see it in Florida's game. I don't watch Seattle as much as because of the time difference, but um, we do like a really nice job of like at the net. I feel like if we need to box out, we do. Yeah. If we feel the puck's getting to the point and it's like going to be a, a a bullshit shot, we'll front it.
2: Yeah.
0: Or if we think it's going to be a, a hope rim below, we'll pluck it off.
2: Yeah, you like, cut it
0: off, right? And, and we're just good at that read, whatever it is. There, there's almost yeah. no rule from the coach other than like, hey, I need you to do what's right.
1: We used to do right? so much box out in practice. I don't know if you oh, felt man. that way too. Yep. Practice was a grind. Just, lots, lots of box out. Grind.
2: Um, practice so, was, so tell it wasn't
1: grind and it wasn't though because we would practice some days for like 25 minutes. Just feel the puck a little bit and get off.
0: Yeah, that was my problem. Was I I didn't feel like as a depth player, I got the opportunity to work on my game because we get like kicked off the ice and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It was like a, like all of a sudden, you'd be on a three on two against Carey Price, and you'd get the puck on the backside, and like Carey Price has faced this shot a thousand times in the last month, and this is my first shot inside the blue line in six weeks, like. Like his save percentage is already a nine three. Like, what do you think it is now? You know what I mean? No, for sure. Um, For sure. uh I always found that odd. I I agree with the video. I thought our video was great. I thought we did a great job of like understanding the the previous piece. Like, if our breakouts weren't good, it wasn't because all of a sudden our defensemen sucked. It's because we weren't holding anybody up in the neutral zone, right? And that's why the guys in. You know, if if yeah, that was the stuff we learned. That was yeah. Sure. i Really like that. Um, really like that. You know, tell me about uh, some of the TV stuff you're doing with TSN now. How's that going? Yeah, I man, really have Play. You have played over in Europe. Yeah, like, tie that all over one. Like how how how's yeah. it been? We'll bring it, it home here. Screen-
1: we'll we'll bring it home.
2: Well.
1: Yeah. So last year I made the decision to go overseas. Played in Sweden. Enjoyed it. Great culture. Great way of life there. Really nice people. Um, and then caught dude. That's serious
2: coffee culture, right? Fica, Fica, serious. Is
1: yeah. Fika's a big deal and their coffee is really strong. Like if you like strong coffee, that's the place to be. It was great. Actually, I've really missed the coffee. That's the thing I miss the most about it. Um, but yeah, right. Went, right. Went,
2: right.
1: yeah went, <laughs> went pretty good there and got a KHL offer with Riga. So I went over there and um, obviously great opportunity and, you know, just kind of some hip, injuries that compounded, compounded and lingered and I wasn't able to really get on the right side of it so decided to come home and, and take care of things and I'm actually still trying to figure out exactly what the problems are you know the, I've addressed a few things now but still not quite where I need to be so in the meantime I um, I got asked to do a, a phone-in hit uh, by this guy named Al's brother who's an absolute legend in Toronto the uh, Toronto media scene so he asked me to do a call-in hit and uh, went pretty good. And then after that, the the producer for the show asked if I had any interest in uh, co-hosting a couple days because the co-host was going to be covering the World Juniors, the other co-host. So I said, yeah, sure. I'd love to. Did that. And then um, from there, one of the TV producers reached out and asked if I had any interest in um, doing some work with the CHL on TSN, new product that they have going. And so I'm on the panel Friday nights with Carlo Koliakovo, another former defenseman. Uh, yeah, yeah. Re- yeah, really good guy. He helps me a lot. And in the meantime, now I'm actually doing more radio. I'm doing, I'm doing the Leafs, man. I'm covering our old team. I got pregame show, uh, half hour pregame show on the radio. Do the intermissions and do an hour postgame show on TSN 1050. Which, uh, yeah, so you know I got to stay in the loop a little bit. You know, I don't, I don't really bug any of the boys for any scoops or anything like that. I try and try and watch and, and get things the, uh, you know, the honest way. Um, but the the TV, like the radio's fun. They're both fun. Like the, the radio's fun because it's like this: we have a conversation, we talk, right. and and it's a little more free wheel. The TV was interesting because you have the earpiece in, you have like a certain amount of time you can talk for. So you know, if they come to us on the panel, we probably have about two minutes. Host brings us in, sets us up, tees me up. Now I probably got about 40 seconds. And in my ear, they're saying, okay, and camera four. And you're looking at camera four. And then they say, okay, now we're going to go to camera one. And you got to turn your head. And you still got to keep talking <laughs> and, and make sense and not say, um, and, 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 you know, and, but, and all these things, right, that, that we say on a such a constant level. And so you have to, you know, it's like you want to have a nice little introduction, Get into your meat and potatoes of it and then tie it up with a nice bow and then send it back to the host. That's kind of the way that's kind of the way I see it. But and then during the game, you know, you're sitting there in the game and you have your piece in and your mic and you're talking to the control room. You're like, OK, if we're covering, let's say, Conor Bedard, because we had his game. Oh, I really like that spin that Conor Bedard just did. Can you clip it? It's at 1643. Thanks. And you're just doing that all period. And then as we get closer to the period's end, they're like, okay, what are you guys thinking for intermission? What are we going to, so you say, okay, I like that, that clip at 1643, the clip at 14, the clip at 12 package those together. I'm going to talk about Bedard's poise with the puck. Boom. And then come back in and same thing. We're looking at camera four. We come in and there's okay. Camera one. And then you're, you're talking again, man. So it's cool. It's fun. It's, it's, it's engaging. That's the, the word I'll use to describe it. It's very yeah, engaging. Yeah.
0: And, and uh you know I, i've been able to watch some of the clips that i've been able to find on twitter and stuff like that i think you're doing a great job and <laughs> it's uh it, it's fun it's fun to just express yourself right and and yeah. and be a part of the game in different ways and i think that was always our dream is to be the top four d men making you know four and a half million a year and walking yeah. the, blue line the And you know we've done that in stints but you know there there's other ways to love on this game and 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 be good to it it's been good to us in a lot of ways to challenge us in a lot of ways but um i don't know ages uh you I, at least for me i've in- i've tended to improve my relationship with the past yeah me too. Um, me too as i've gotten older and 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 it's found different ways to to serve me so it's been really it's been interesting and i and i've always you know rooted free i i we were in direct competition. That's a difficult thing to do, you know, yeah. being young, means right shots. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's a, it's a hard thing to do as young pros, you know, there's only so many, so many cookies, only so much ice time. And, and, uh, you know, we're always you know good to each other and, and, um, I'm rooting for you, man. I hope you get healthy.
1: Thank you. Yeah.
0: You get healthy. I hope your next, uh, your next hit is something you really, you really enjoy.
1: Thanks buddy. It was nice to do this. I'm sure we could talk for days, but, uh, yeah, we'll leave it at that, and
2: we'll maybe we'll, we'll do another keep, one.
0: You keep uh, you keep doing things in uh, in Toronto. I'm super interested to to pick your brain further on the radio and then the TV yeah. stuff, and and we can talk about that, and and even about you know maybe we do something or you know just because you're probably watching more NHL hockey than I am right now, um, you know maybe we do uh, like a, a playoff series uh, where we we kind of go through some of the teams, and I'll I'll freshen up as it gets closer here because I've always wanted to take my podcast a little bit more into the hockey side i avoided a little bit just to avoid you know what you're talking yeah, about yeah. inside school talking about yeah, your yeah. friends and, exactly and exactly. a little funky but at the same time i think there's a, a special light you know, that guys like you and i can can shine on on certain plays and and you know help uh help grow our game that way and, and educate people so it's been a lot of fun man
1: yeah man good stuff okay thank you
0: All right, see you bud bye